on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. And on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio here in Detroit. It's Sunday, February 6, 2022. Welcome to the African History Network show. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. So uh, once again, it's been a very busy week. There's a lot going on. We see an attack on HBCUs. Uh, the, the, the bomb threats on HBCUs. Luckily, no one was hurt. Uh, the FBI is reporting that uh, they have six juveniles who are persons of interest, six juveniles who are persons of interest. It was good reporting by NBC News on that. So we have an update on that. Then also we have an update uh, on the story that we did early in the week on Wednesday when we talk, talked about Whoopi Goldberg being uh, suspended for two weeks behind comments that she made on the air on The View on Monday um, regarding uh, the Jewish Holocaust and that the Jewish Holocaust was, um, during World War II, the Jewish Holocaust was not about race. It was about man's inhumanity against man. Now, this uh, has brought about a lot of backlash from different aspects for and against. Uh, a lot of fans are upset that Whoopi Goldberg is uh, being suspended for uh, two weeks after she apologized on the air. Uh, you have some people saying, well, wait a second. Megan McCain said all this stupid nonsense on The View. She didn't get suspended. Uh, and then also you have a lot of fans who are upset as well. So one of the things that gets left out of this conversation, and we dealt with this early in the week, I did an extensive show. We did almost three hours uh, on Wednesday. Okay. So one of the things that uh, gets left out of this conversation is understanding the nuances of the um, understanding the nuances of Nazi Germany and that the Nazis saw the Jews as an inferior race. The Nazis saw themselves as an Aryan race, as a superior race, and saw the Jews as an inferior race. Okay. So, but, but what gets left out of this whole conversation are the Afro Germans that Hitler was killing also. So we're going to talk briefly about this. We have some updates uh, on this story here, dealing with Whoopi Goldberg and some of her view co-hosts who are coming out in support of her as well. The DailyBeast.com had a really good article earlier in the week, updated on uh, February 2nd, updated on Wednesday, February 2nd. We have some other reporting on this as well, okay? Now, uh, then we have an update on the HBCU bomb threats. And it's interesting that the these HBCU bomb threats uh, took place right around the beginning of Black History Month. And it appears that um, there is a white supremacist element uh, to these bomb threats also. It appears there is a white supremacist element to these bomb threats as well. Now, at the bottom of the hour, we're going to be joined by uh, Mancho and Nawasha Edu. Mancho and Nawasha, and Nawasha Edu. Do you know what Okoma Day is? I interviewed them earlier in the week on, on our social media platforms. We're going to talk about Okoma Day. Acoma Day is celebrated in 16 countries around the world, and Acoma Day is a cultural alternative to Valentine's Day. Acoma Day is an African-centered cultural alternative to Valentine's Day. So we're going to have them on shortly to uh, talk about Acoma Day and how to celebrate it. Okay, and it's February 14th through the 20th, Acoma Day. Uh, then also, 
uh, many people are have heard about the uh, ki uh, police killing of Amir Locke, okay, in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And we talked about this on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday. I was a panelist on Roland Martin Unfiltered uh, on Friday. And uh, we got to speak with uh, Roland interviewed Amir Locke's uh, mother as well as uh, uh, the family attorney. So we'll talk a little bit about this case. We'll probably talk some more about this on our Monday show. And this is a situation where you had this African-American uh, young man who was legally armed, 22 years old, legally armed, concealed pistol license. All right, we'll be back in a few minutes. Let's STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry, it's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre, I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me and she said, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 6th, 2022. And we are live calling numbers 313-778-7600, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. All right, so um, right before the break, I was given a rundown of the topics of uh, today's show. So we're going to give you an update uh, on the story we covered early in the week, dealing with uh, Whoopi Goldberg being suspended for two weeks from The View. You have some of her co-hosts who are speaking out who are outraged. You have fans who are speaking out also who are outraged and calling a double standard as well. There's a, a big article from uh, shadowandact.com about this. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about the history of the Nazis killing the Afro-Germans, because this always gets left out of the conversation, especially during uh, the International uh, Day of Remembrance of the Holocaust, which is uh, January 27th. I don't, I don't understand how that somehow gets left out of the conversation. We talked about this on our Wednesday show extensively. We did almost three hours uh, dealing with uh, that topic as well as the HBCU bombing. So go back on, and watch our uh, Wednesday show. Um, also on today's show, we'll um, talk a little bit about the, uh, uh, Amir Locke, who was killed in uh, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota as well. Uh, we'll talk about that uh, police killing as we were explaining right before the break. We're going to be joined by um, 
uh, Mancho and Nawasha Edu in a few minutes to talk about a coma day. And uh, also Brian Flores, former um, Miami Dolphins head coach. Brian Flores this past week, actually on Tuesday, uh, first day of uh, Black History Month, he filed a lawsuit against the NFL claiming racism uh, when it comes to uh, hiring uh, African-American NFL coaches. Okay. Uh, he talked about sham interviews. He talked about the text message he got from Bill Belichick um, as well. So uh, New England, uh, New, Eng New England Patriots uh, head coach, Bill Belichick. So early in the week, I shared the interview that um, Brian Flores did on uh, Chris Hayes' show on MSNBC. Um, he was interviewed yesterday by Reverend Al Sharpton on Politics Nation. So we're going to talk about that also. We'll share that interview and we'll talk about that as well. All right. Uh, I want to go to this first clip here. How's everybody doing? And then we'll give you an update uh, on our online class. We had the great class uh, Saturday and Sunday, class number one of uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, we did that. You can still register for these 10-week online classes that I teach. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. The classes are on sale right now. They're discounted. And then Sundays, uh, uh, today we did from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement of Black Power, 1865-1868. And we also have them in a bundle pack on sale. They're regularly $130. They don't sell $80 each, but in the bundle pack, they don't sell only $120. And they're yours. You can access the class even a year from now, two years from now. You'll still have access to it. If you have taken any classes from me before, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. We'll give you a 50% discount on these new classes. Email me at ahnshow at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com will give you 50% off on these new classes and the bundle pack also. All right, I want to jump into this first story here. Uh, we're going to go to clip one, uh, Jalen. So this is from uh, Good Morning America. This is about what happened with Whoopi Goldberg and the suspension. Let's go to clip one. News overnight. The View co-host Whoopi Goldberg suspended for two weeks for her comments about the Holocaust. Gail Reshev has the story. Good morning, Ariel. Good morning to you, George. Though Goldberg has apologized, her comments sparked a firestorm. Some seeing this as a troubling sign of fading understanding about the horrors of the Holocaust. This morning, ABC News suspending Whoopi Goldberg for two weeks in response to her inflammatory remarks about the Holocaust. ABC News President Kim Godwin saying in a statement, effective immediately, I am suspending Whoopi Goldberg for two weeks for her wrong and hurtful comments. While Whoopi has apologized, I've asked her to take time to reflect and learn about the impact of her comments. The entire ABC News organization stands in solidarity with our Jewish colleagues, friends, family, and communities. If you're yeah. going to do this, then let's be truthful about it, because the Holocaust isn't about race. On Monday's show, the host of ABC's The View inaccurately claimed the Holocaust was not related to race. It's not about race. It's not about well, what race. is it about? Because you, it's about man's inhumanity to man. That's what it's about. Whoopi Goldberg. Goldberg appearing to double down on the Colbert show that night. The American experience tends to be based on skin. Yes. And so that is what race means to me. Mm -hmm. When you talk about uh, 
being a racist. I was saying, you can't call this racism. This was evil. Mm-hmm. This wasn't this wasn't based on the skin. You couldn't tell who was Jewish. Mm-hmm. They had to delve deeply to figure it out. Then tweeting an apology, saying in part, the Jewish people around the world have always had my support and that will never waver. I'm sorry for the hurt I have caused. And the next day, opening the view with this. I said that the Holocaust wasn't about race and it was instead about man's inhumanity to man. But it is indeed about race because Hitler and the Nazis considered Jews to be an inferior race. Now, words matter and mine are no exception. I regret my comments, as I said, and I stand corrected. I also stand with the Jewish people, as they know, and y'all know, because I've always done that. By the end of the Holocaust, just 77 years ago, 6 million Jews had been murdered. That might not fit exactly or feel different than the way we think about race in 21st century America, where primarily it's about people of color. But throughout the Jewish people's history, they have been marginalized, they have been persecuted, They have been slaughtered in large part because many people felt they were not just a different religion, but indeed a different race. The head of the Anti-Defamation League warning anti-Semitism is still a real and present danger. We need people of good faith on the left and the right to call this out forcefully, fully, without hesitation. And studies show an alarming decline in knowledge about the Holocaust at a time when anti-Semitism has surged to unprecedented levels. The FBI saying Jews are the most targeted for religious-based hate crimes in this country. And George, as you heard there, Goldberg saying she regrets her comments and any hurt they may have caused. Okay, so that was from um, Good Morning America. Good reporting there. Still, notice, nobody said anything about the Afro-Germans that Hitler was killing. I just find I just find that all to be just very interesting. Okay, so um the calling number is 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. Now, I want to look at this here quickly. Um if we look at the so Americans are very ignorant when it comes to history. Okay? That's just I mean, there's there's a lot of people, a lot of historians talk about this, right? And they're even, they know even less when it comes to the history of African-Americans in this country, okay? So so, so just just for the sake of time, we're going to just zoom, hone in on three things. This is from the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum, okay? This is encyclopedia.ushmm.org. Nazi racism and overview. Racism fueled Nazi ideology and policies. Racism fueled Nazi ideology and policies. The Nazis viewed the world as being divided into competing inferior and superior races. Inferior and superior races, each struggling for survival and dominance. They believed the Jews were not a religious denomination but a dangerous non-European race. They, the, the Nazis that, who, who claimed that they were the Aryan race saw the Jews as an inferior race, okay? Nazi racism would produce murder on an unprecedented scale. We're talking about a different type of racism. We're not talking about racism under, from the United States concept. We're talking about racism from 
Nazi Germany, this this foreign concept of racism. Um, racist. Okay, so okay, read the rest of this here, and this has uh, okay, ra uh, racial anti-Semitism is the prejudice against hatred of Jews based on false scientific theories. Now, uh, according to Nazi theories of race, Germans and other Europeans perceive superior and physical and mental traits. According to Nazi theories of race, Germans and other Europeans had perceived superior physical and mental traits. And let me see if I could zoom in on this some more. They considered, um, they can, okay, here we go. They considered, let me back up. All right. They considered European peoples to be Aryans descended from the ancient Indo-Europeans who settled throughout the European continent as well as Iran and India. Okay. So it's understanding racism differently, not based upon white, uh, white Americans and African Americans. Now, what gets left out now at the same, uh, at the same website, I find very interesting. Very few people talk about this. They deal with Afro-Germans during the Holocaust, Afro-Germans during the Holocaust. OK, now there were 25,000 to 50,000 Afro-Germans that were killed during the Holocaust as well. Somehow they don't get talked about. OK, now when we come back from a break, we're going to speak with Monshow and the Washa Adu about a coma day. We're going to pick up this topic here, then on Whoopi Goldberg and Afro-Germans. After that interview, you listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. STEM Forward, helping our community find their place in the emerging fields of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Join us for our monthly live stream on our website, stemforwardedu.org. Watch, subscribe, share. Also join our mailing list to stay up to date with STEM resources and opportunities. STEM Forward, the future is now. Watch, subscribe, share. Abundant Capital Group is a real estate investment company with over 20 years of experience in real estate. They specialize in two areas of real estate. One, they solve real estate problems with creative financing solutions that give the seller the most money for their property. And two, they show individuals how to get a higher rate of return on their investment capital with real estate note investing. If you are looking to sell or need to sell your property, here is what they provide. Market value offer, even if you have little or no equity, they typically pay all closing costs, which can be thousands of dollars. They close on a date of the seller's choosing and the seller does not have to be out of the house at the time of closing. They take the property in an as is condition and the seller is not required to make any repairs. Give them a call or email them today for a free consultation and see how they can help you with your real estate needs. Call them at 973-475-8488. That's 973-475-8488. Visit their website, AbundantCapitalGroup.com. That's AbundantCapitalGroup.com. And email them at ACG at AbundantCapitalGroup.com. Follow them on Instagram and Facebook at Abundant Capital Group. 
Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910A on the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 6th, 2022, and we are live. Okay, we'll go back to the phone. We'll go uh, to the phone lines uh, after uh, this segment here. So we know uh, Valentine's Day is coming up on February 14th, and we know that... um, Valentine's Day in this uh, current incarnation, uh, we know Valentine's Day was not uh, created by African-Americans in this current incarnation does not come out of uh, African culture the way it is uh, celebrated now. So some people may ask, uh, what is a coma day? Okay, what is a coma day? And here to tell us about a coma day are the co-founders, uh, Mancho and Nawasha Edu. Hotep, everybody, how, how you all doing today? Well, uh, greetings, Nicole, greetings. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. I can hear you. We have Mancho. Uh, Mancho. Yeah, okay. So, and is Nawasha with you? Uh, yes, Nawasha is coming with me. She, oh, okay. She's uh, in the other room. We had, a, we had the uh, children. Okay. I understand that. I understand that. All right. Well, look, um, February 14th is coming up and uh, a coma day is a African centered, a cultural alternative to Valentine's Day. So give us the give us the basics. Give us a crash course in a coma day. What is it and when is it celebrated? Okay. So a coma day is the. um International Cultural Alternative to Valentine's Day. It is um, celebrated from February 14th to February 20th. So it's a seven-day holiday that has seven virtues and seven principles, seven symbols on the Akoma Day altar. And it's designed to reorientate um, Black people to the celebration of love. So we support the celebration of love in all its manifestations, from the intimate relationship to the family, to the community, and to the people of the nation state of black people, wherever we find ourselves in the world. The problem is, is that um, conceptually, we don't want to celebrate love from the standpoint of a group of people who have oppressed us. And whether we were oppressed or not, we don't want to celebrate love from a center that is not our own. So our consciousness center, um, our cultural consciousness center has to be um, aligned for us to do anything. And so um, through a historical understanding, we learned that the symbol that is commonly miscalled the heart is actually an ancient African symbol called the Akoma. Yes. Um, and the Akoma is the Adinkra manifestation from Ghana, West Africa. But we see this symbol throughout the diaspora, throughout the eras or the, for the eons. And so the symbol is, is as old as African people are. And so there is no real um, birth date of it. But through the Akan, we learn some of the symbology of the um, of the symbol. So what we did was take that realization and began to do some course study. And when we did that, we recognized, or we were, we found out 
that there had been an ancient um, celebration that had lasted for a week during the third week of February, which was in alignment with the fertility of the um, the, the nation or the women specifically. And it is that original festival that the festival of Lupercalia, um, the Greco-Roman holiday, is based on. And for those of us who know or do not know, Lupercalia later became a, um, became Valentine's Day. Right. And so, um, so really, by the by, us having divine inspiration to create a coma day, we're just really realigning the celebration of Black love back to its original um, creators and to um, put it into cultural context. Okay, so 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 you said that uh, so the festival of Lupercalia. Uh, which was celebrated by the by the Romans, uh, fertility festival, and uh, we know Lupa is in reference to well, we know uh, Lupa is in reference to the she wolf who nursed Romulus and Remus, who in the mythology was said to be the founders of, of Rome, uh, two little two little orphan boys. Um, but what 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 was the celebration that preceded Lupercalia? That was an African celebration. What we don't know, and the reason we don't know it is because we, we're finding out through the Europeans, as what happens so often, mm-hmm. that um, they were modeling an ancient celebration that the Africans had. So somewhere um, an early name exists, but we don't know what it is. But we do know that they were modeling something that they saw. They were attempting to model right. what they saw, but... As usual, um, our symbology and our customs and our rituals and our commemorations are based on our consciousness. And so when someone, for us being the parent people of humanity and being the first to do most things, um, when someone is modeling that with a limited understanding and they are um, evolving it based on their consciousness, many things get warped. Right. And so when we, as Black people in the West, have gotten Valentine's Day, there's always been a resonance in Valentine's Day that seems fair, good enough. You know, we're celebrating love, and women are really um, moved by it, and the colors of red and white and you know, pink. We 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 are looking at this and saying, "Hey, this is this is okay." Right. Not realizing that this is our ancient stuff, and part of what's resonating in us is the fact that this is what we had been doing for eons. But you know, to answer your question succinctly, I don't know the name. The watch and I don't know the name of the festival. Okay. But um, we do know that it, it, it predated Greece. Right. And then who predated Rome and, you know, the two of them kind of combined to create what we now know as Valentine's Day. Well, the Greeks and the Romans learned from the uh, ancient Kemetic people, the ancient Africans in the Nile Valley region of Africa. Absolutely. So 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 we know they got a lot. We know a lot of their deities were copies of deities from the metal netter. From, yes. from 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 the from the yes. deities, the forces of nature and ancient Kemet. OK, so a coma day is celebrated in 16 countries. It's celebrated from February 14th through the 20th. 
Uh, it's the International Cultural Alternative to Valentine's Day. Now, people can visit the website, acomahouseinitiative.com. We have the website up here on the big screen, acomahouse, A-K-O-M-A, acomahouseinitiative.com for more information. So what are some of the ways that people can actually celebrate Acoma Day? We know for Valentine's Day, people may go to dinner and buy flowers and enrich the flower industry and Hallmark and things like this. What are some ways that people can celebrate Acoma Day? People can celebrate Acoma Day much like they would celebrate Valentine's Day. Okay. It's just a realignment in how you're going to be spending your money and how what your intention is. So you can still go to dinner. The idea is that you would be circulating the dollar and buying black as often as you can if right. you're going to get, you know, some sacred jewelry done or anything that you do, you're really looking to contribute some of our part of the $19 billion that goes into Valentine's Day. We're looking mm -hmm. to contribute that back into our own communities. Instead of just being solely consumer, we want to share with each other. Um, but specifically for Coma Day, we have the virtues and the principles that you would look to embody in your relationship daily. So each day has one virtue and one principle. The first virtue is flexibility. So you would say to yourself, how can I be more flexible in my relationship? Okay. Can you all hear me? Because you're breaking, somebody's breaking up. Can you hear me? Okay, I can I can hear you better now. Go ahead. Can you hear me? Go ahead. You're okay. with you're done with the first principle. The yes, the um, first principle is unified purpose. So mm -hmm. in that, we have to revisit the purpose of our relationships, and an annual revisit is perfect. <laughs> so looking at how you're actually going to um, align your two individual purposes into one would be your unified purpose. So all of the the principles are unifying principles in order to come together as the, the art and science of soul mating. So you have your individual life path, but for each day of a coma day, you'd be doing something that would be an honorable virtue to live by and something that would be a unifying principle. So the virtues are flexibility, patience, faithfulness, consistency, endurance, fondness and goodwill, and forgiveness. Okay. And, you know, it takes a reminder, like an annual holiday, in order to do that, because often we do that sometimes in the beginning of a relationship, but we forget, you know, how we can maintain those things or new opportunities present for us to maintain those virtues. Exactly. Okay, so hold, 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 hold it right there, Nawashi. We're coming up on a break. We're going to let you finish on the other side of the break. Okay. And, uh, and uh, people visit acomahouseinitiative.com. Uh, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show on Michael M. Hotel. Right here on 910 AM, the Superstation of Future Radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. What does self-care mean to you? To us, it's an opportunity to reconnect with nature. A chance to create something remarkable. At Sage and Elm Apothecary, our handcrafted skin care and household products immerse you in Earth's sweetest nectar, connecting you to nature in a way you never imagined. See for yourself and visit us at sageandelmapothecary.com.
iRedify is a black-owned digital platform that showcases black and brown cultures and people. The books on the platform are written by African-American authors, Afro-Caribbean authors, African authors, and so much more. Kids 14 and under can read ebooks, listen to audiobooks, and complete learning activities. Kids can even write in the books digitally. Get unlimited access to everything on the platform for only $8.99 a month at iRedify.com. Sign up for your membership today. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's the Speed of Ghost, L-O-X-D block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 6, 2022. And we are live before we go back to Macho and uh, Nawasha. Uh, very quickly, if you want to support the African History Network, you'd like this type of information, uh, you can visit our website, uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have the information there uh, through Cash App. is dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, we're here six days a week to help us keep doing the research and stay on the air and keep broadcasting. Also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, you can register for the uh, online class. And put them on, put them on hold for me, Jalen. Put them on hold, please. Also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, you can register for the uh, online classes I teach on Saturdays and Sundays. On Saturdays, it is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, where they didn't teach you in school. We had a fantastic class this weekend. It was class number one. It's a 10 week online course I teach. We deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. This is 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, each Saturday, 10 consecutive Saturdays. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are uh, archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. So a year from now, if you want to go back and watch the entire class, you can. This class is regularly $130. It's on sale, uh, $80. And then on Sundays, I teach from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968, okay? And uh, so we deal with uh, history, start, starting with the Louisiana Purchase. I taught this class today. We started with the Louisiana Purchase, and we're going to go through uh, the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power Movement. Okay, so visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have a bundle pack. You can register for both classes for only $120. If you've taken any of my classes before, email me at AHNShow at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. AHNShow at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You're going to get a 50% discount on these classes. Okay, 
Uh, so we're going to go back to the phone lines. We have uh, Mancho and uh, Nawasha uh, educating us on a coma day, which is an which is an international um, cultural alternative to Valentine's Day. Visit their website, uh, acomahouseinitiative.com. And uh, Nawasha, you were giving us uh, the principles and explaining to us how to celebrate Acoma Day from February 14th to uh, February 20th. Go ahead and finish that. Yeah, so inside of the Acoma Day book, we have a lot of suggestions for something that you can do to right. actually the, the Acoma Day embody book. or share. Say that again, the Acoma Day book. Um, but can you hear me? Yeah, the, the first the, principle. Nawasha, can you hear me? Yeah, you said the Acoma Day book. Just, just to let people know. Just explain that the Acoma Day book. Yes, we have a book. Mm-hmm. The, um, it's called Acoma Day Guidebook, Guidebook into the Sacred Science of Soul Mating mm-hmm. and a Cultural Alternative to Valentine's Day. And that book goes over some of the history that Masha was just talking about about um, the origins of Valentine's Day, some of the myths, and some of the ritual behind it that is actually in opposition to what we really want to cultivate in our relationships. It also talks about um, why we need to have something in alignment so that we can actually support and revive our relationships and make them endure and be fulfilling. And then the third part of the book is um, over 28 different exercises that you can do to embody the principles. So the first principle is um, unified purpose, which mm-hmm. is extremely important for us to be aware of a purpose for our relationships. So there are exercises that help you figure out what your purpose is and then unify a purpose so that you have a vision for your relationship. Once you have a vision and a purpose, you would have work that you could do. So the second principle is unified labor. Um, once you have your unified labor, ideally, you're going to transform something. <laughs> so yourself, each other, the community. So the third principle is unified transformation. From that, you would create something. So we say when two people come together, there is a third thing created all of the time. Yes. Um, so the fourth principle is unified fruit. So the fruit that comes from your work and your transformation, which is in alignment with your purpose. And then the fifth principle is unified body. The sixth principle is unified mind. The seventh principle is unified soul. So that is the outline for the seven days. And each day you're really seeing how you can reflect, how you can realign, how you can renew. And this is the purpose of the holiday like this that would be about love and relationships. Whether it's your relationship with self, your, your intimate partnership, or your family relationship, um, these are things that need to be renewed often. Right. And this is a much more, um, I would say, purposeful idea behind celebrating love. Often with Valentine's Day, we realize we might not have purpose. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we might just you know, end a relationship before the you holiday. May, you may just do it because of pressure. You may just... celebration. You may just do it because you're pressured to do it or something like that. Right. So <laughs> there's no real right. purpose. No, you, know, you see, it's kind of like subconscious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. OK, uh, so let people know how they can get more information uh, about a coma day. And uh, you with, and a coma day deals with the sacred science of soul mating as well. How can people get more information uh, about a coma day? 
have Courtney on the phone today. You still there? You can access okay. courses on the phone on our website. Okay. And give the information about the virtues and principles and things that we've done as a community and as, um, you know, a family celebration. You can also pick up the Acoma Day book and find out, you know, what Acoma Day is, what the symbols are, how to set up your Acoma Day altar. And we have an outline of that on our website, mm-hmm. acomahouseinitiative.com. Acomahouseinitiative.com. And you all, um, you, you all are, are, are um, you deal with uh, relationships, your relationships experts, your therapists, you, your license as well. We talked about that earlier in the week also. So uh, we know you have the Black Love School also. There's information at their website about the Black Love School. And you've been to different countries for celebrations regarding a coma day also. Is that correct? Well, people have contacted us yes. from several different countries mm-hmm. in order to um, order the book and, you know, celebrate the holiday. So, yes, we are in 15 different countries. 15? Um, people as far from us, mm-hmm. from as far from New Jersey as New Zealand have, you know, contacted us in order to purchase books and get, um, you know, information about ritual. So this is, you know, a universal holiday that's based on just universal principles that as a black nation, right. we have celebrated, you know, for thousands and thousands of years, the idea of, of reunification as soulmates, right. the idea of, you know, complementary energy and love partnerships, right. and just the idea of the intimate two people coming together as um, what we call now soulmate, twin flame, all of these kinds of words. Right. We have the first version of that. And I think that that resonates with people, with black people, no matter where we are on the planet. All right, uh, Macho and Nawasha Ed, do visit their website, acomahouseinitiative.com. And uh, thanks for coming on tonight, Hotep, and we'll talk to you later, okay? All right. Oh, thank you so much for having us. We appreciate it. Niakoma. Oh. All right, brother. Peace. All right, Niakoma. Okay, uh, everybody, look, uh, we're coming up on a break. Uh, call, Give us a call, 313 778 7600. 313 778 7600 is the call in number if you have a question or comment. When we come back from the break, we'll get your your comments, your thoughts dealing with the suspension of Whoopi Goldberg. I'm going to give you some more history dealing with the Afro Germans that the Nazis were killing that don't get talked about. Oftentimes when they have the International Day of Remembrance of the Holocaust, we'll talk about Brian Flores um, uh, suing the NFL. We'll talk about Amir Locke and we'll talk about the HBCU bomb threat. You listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotep. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books. Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995, and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008, and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021 in her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human, were both published in January of 2022. 
Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. Soul in Motion, celebrating 38 years in the arts. This energetic ensemble of dancers and drummers was started by percussionist Michael Friend and is led by choreographer, associate director Pam Lassiter. Based in the Washington, D.C. area, Soul in Motion is now accepting bookings for Black History Month, Juneteenth, and summer festivals in 2022. Soul in Motion is also available for more intimate events like naming ceremonies and weddings. To find out more or book your date, call 240-452-1349 or send an email to info at soulinmotion.org. Be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Soul in Motion, celebrating our history, our culture, our future. Soul in Motion, theater, African dance, and drumming since 1984. A division of Adele Media. I'm Brother Michael M. Hotel. In the African History Network show, we deal with current events in history and politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Unfortunately, many people confuse what racism is. Racism is a power structure. It was laws and policies that put us in this predicament. It's going to be laws and policies that take us out. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the compass of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. We have it all on 9 a.m. Superstation. Welcome back to the African History. Opinions expressed on any program are those of the producers and or the persons appearing on the program and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of 910 AM Superstation or Adele Media. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 6th, 2022, and we are live. Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment, a quick question or comment. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number. Okay, so right before the break, um, we were given an update on Whoopi Goldberg. She was suspended. We got the, we got the news basically Wednesday morning that she was suspended uh, from The View for uh, two weeks. And I did an extensive show early in the week on this on Wednesday. Uh, so go back and watch uh, our Wednesday show on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep. It's an audio podcast format. Search for the African History Network show wherever you get your audio podcast from also. And we're on Facebook podcast as well because I did almost three hours. Uh, that was our Wednesday, February 2nd show. Okay, so I, I want to go back to this um piece here. This is from the U.S. Holocaust, United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. This deals with Afro-Germans during the Holocaust, Afro-Germans during the Holocaust. Now, it's also important to note that the 
concept, really the concept of the Nuremberg laws that were used on the Jews and used to suppress the Jews. The Nazis got the concept from the segregation laws that the U.S. was using against African-Americans and different laws they had, uh, anti-miscegenation laws, different things like this. Okay, so it's important to uh, understand a lot of that history, where that comes from. There's a piece from... Um, there's a piece from history.com that deals with uh, how the relationship between the Nuremberg laws and uh, the Jim Crow laws. This is this piece here from um, history.com, which is the official website of the History Channel. And uh, read this article here because I don't have time to get deep into it. How the Nazis were inspired by Jim Crow how the Nazis were inspired by Jim Crow to craft legal discrimination. The third Reich uh, studied the United States. Okay. To craft legal discrimination, the third Reich studied the United States. This is from March 26, 2021, updated March 26, 2021 from um, history.com. When the Nazis set out to legally disenfranchise and discriminate against Jewish citizens, they weren't just coming up with ideas out of thin air. They closely studied the laws of another country, according to James Q. Whitman, author of Hitler's American model. That country was the United States. Okay, Uh, America in the 20th century was the leading racist jurisdiction in the world. Some say it still is. Um, Says uh, Professor Whitman, who's a professor at Yale Law School, Nazi lawyers, as a result, were interested in in looked very closely at and were ultimately influenced by American race law. Okay. Read the rest of this article here. Somehow this gets left out of the conversation. Um, How the Nazis were inspired by Jim Crow law, history.com. History.com is official website of the history channel, by the way. Okay. So if we look at this here, we'll go to the phone lines in just a second. Uh, We'll go to Rodney in just a minute here. Uh, If we look at this here from the, uh, United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. This deals with uh, Afro-Germans, okay? Afro-Germans. The Nazi German regime did not have an organized program to eliminate African Germans. However, the regime discriminated against and persecuted them, discriminated against and persecuted them. Some black people in German in Germany and German-occupied territories were isolated. An unknown number were sterilized, incarcerated, or murdered. Sterilized, incarcerated, or murdered. Now, estimates, and there's a good article from Thought, um, thought.co, I think it is. Um, estimate, estimates are between 25,000 to 50,000 Afro-Germans were killed. Uh, yeah, thoughtco.com, thoughtco.com learn more about black history and Germany. So if we look at these key facts here, Nazi persecution of Afro-Germans occurred despite their relatively small presence in Germany. The Nazis forcibly sterilized a group of Afro-German children uh, whom they derogatorily derogatorily called uh, Rhinelands, uh, Rhineland B-words. Most of these children were the progeny of French colonial troops from Africa 
that were stationed in the Rhineland, R-H-I-N-E-L-A-N-D, region after World War I. Uh, black people fought against Nazi Germany in World, World, World War II as members of the Allied militaries. Some of them were held as prisoners of war. So then it goes in to talk about Afro-German children in the Rhineland, okay? Um, following World War I, the victorious allies occupied the Rhineland in Western Germany. Um, the use of French colonial troops, some of whom were black, in these occupation forces heightened anti-black racism in Germany. Heightened anti-black racism in Germany. Racist propaganda against black soldiers. Um, racist propaganda against black soldiers falsely depicted them as rapists of German women. Racist propaganda against black soldiers falsely depicted them as rapists of German women and carriers of venereal and other diseases. The German press derogatorily referred to the children of black soldiers and German women as the Rhineland B-words, the other B-words. Now, um, similarly spelled like custard. The Nazis viewed Afro-Germans, children, Afro-Germans were children with one African parent, one German parent. The Nazis viewed Afro-Germans as a threat to the purity of the German race. In his 1925 uh, autobiography, Mein Kampf, which means my struggle, uh, Adolf Hitler charged that the Jews had brought uh, the Negroes into the Rhineland with the clear aim of ruining the hated white race by the necessarily uh, resulting uh, degradation. We'll use that word for FCC purposes. Okay, then it, deal, then it goes and deals with the Nazi persecution of Afro-Germans. Once uh, the Nazi regime came to power, Afro-Germans were marginalized in, Germ in German society, isolated socially and economically, and not allowed to attend university or universities. Racial discrimination prohibited them from seeking most jobs. By the end of 1937, the Gestapo had secretly rounded up and forcibly sterilized many Afro-Germans. Some were subjected to medical experiments, others mysteriously disappeared. In addition to being persecuted for their race, in addition to being persecuted for their race, Afro-Germans were persecuted for other reasons. For example, Hilarius Gilgis was an Afro-German dancer and communist activist from Dusseldorf, Germany. Nazis murdered him on June 20th, 1933 for his politics as well as his race. Today, Hilarius Gilgis Platz in Dusseldorf, Germany memorializes Gilgis as a victim of Nazi terror, okay? Then it goes on and talks about African-Americans under the Nazis, and it talks about uh, uh, jazz musician, Valeda Snow, African-American female jazz musician, Valeda Snow. Uh, so read the rest of this here. This is from the um, U.S. Holocaust um, Memorial Museum, uh, United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. They have a section here, Afro-Germans during the Holocaust. This is from the website encyclopedia.us, 
hmm.org. Okay, they have a lot of information here. Somehow, once again, somehow this information gets left out of these conversations. Still trying to figure out why. Then the Guardian, Guardian guardian.com has a good opinion piece that we talked about on our Wednesday show because we did almost three hours. Go back and watch that Wednesday show, Wednesday, February 2nd. It was on fire. Black people were Hitler's victims too, T-O-O. It wasn't saying Hitler only had two victims. It's say they're saying T-O-O in addition to. Black people were Hitler's victims too. That must not be forgotten. Well, but yeah, you have to learn it before you can forget it. So <laughs> technically they didn't forget, I guess, because a lot of people never learned it. Okay, let's go to the phone lines. Um, who we have here? Let's go to Rodney. Line one, Rodney, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from, Rodney. Okay, how you doing? I'm all right. How you doing, brother? Hey, uh, Goldberg, isn't that, isn't that, isn't that, uh, isn't that, uh, Jewish? Yes. Okay, so, so, before we go, Goldberg, she had Jewish parents or something? Uh, that's not her birth name. She, she, she adopted that name. That's not a birth oh, name. That's, name? That's, that's a stage name. Yeah, that's not a birth name. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Keep listening. All right. Um, and let me see something here. Um, so her birth name, you know, a lot of people, a lot of, a lot of people in entertainment has stage names. Uh, her, her birth name, Karen Elaine Johnson, known professionally as Whoopi Goldberg. Okay. Uh, Karen Elaine, C-A-R-Y-N, Karen Elaine Johnson, uh, known professionally as Whoopi Goldberg. All right. So, and you can, uh, Wikipedia is one source, but they have other sources for it as well. All right. I want to go to, I want to go to, um, this article here. Just a second. Let me close some of these tabs out. Um, there was one I was looking at that dealt with, um, responses from uh, uh, co-hosts of The View. So popculture.com has this piece from February 5th, Saturday, February 5th. Uh, Another View co-host gives fiery defense of Whoopi Goldberg after suspension. Another another The View co-host gives fiery defense of Whoopi Goldberg after uh, suspension. So the view panelists, and we're going to blow this up here, uh, increase the size of it. Uh, view panelist Sarah Haynes, okay? Now, some of these people on the view, I don't know who they are because <coughs> I, <laughs> I remember Barbara Walters on the view and Sherry Shepard. And uh, but Sarah, I didn't know who Sarah Haynes was. But the view panelist Sarah Haynes, is throwing her support behind co-host Whoopi Goldberg as the Academy Award winner faces scrutiny and suspension from the daytime TV show in light of her comment regarding uh, the Holocaust. Now, uh, Sarah Haynes shared a photo of the two of the two hosts having a laugh at the table as she as she snapped the selfie. She said, "This just popped up and warmed my heart." Haynes wrote in the caption, "That's my whoops." Uh, the picture quickly stirred up added controversy in the comments section both Goldberg supporters and those who uh and those against her gathered together to share their opinions 
on the situation under the uh, under the photo. But uh, Sarah Haynes had a special message for the people throwing dirt on Whoopi Goldberg. She said, uh, quote, I'd like to invite people trolling the post to go play somewhere else to learn from a moment. To learn from a moment is all we can ask of anyone and prioritizing punitive measures at the expense of the message issue and teaching moment are misguided. So, you know, this is really a teachable moment for history. This is really a, te a teachable moment to deal with history because there's a declining knowledge of the history of the Holocaust in this country. One, two, Americans are very ignorant of history, especially when it comes to the history of African-Americans, when it comes to the history of slavery in this country. You know, we're coming up on a break. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break because, you know, um, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about uh, the story that dealt with how uh, the lack of the history of Reconstruction being taught in uh, schools as well. OK, you listen to the African History Network show right here on 910 a.m. The Superstation of Future Radio on Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Follow the story Skeeter Hawk as attorney Ben Brooks rediscovers his Gullah Geechee heritage and finds romance along the Gullah Trail and the Sea Islands. Jilted by his fiancée who refused to marry him, Ben Brooks goes back home to Gullah country. There, the Gullah people come to call him Skeeter Hawk. While rediscovering his heritage, Skeeter Hawk unravels dark family secrets. A beautiful childhood friend, Fulla, becomes his guide as they travel the Gullah Trail from North Carolina to the Sea Islands in South Carolina in search of more answers. Ben Brooks falls in love with her and becomes torn between her and his former fiance who wants to rekindle their romance. He also deals with a premonition that one of his enemies is pursuing him providing a backdrop for mystery romance, intrigue, and suspense in this page-turning novel called Skeeter Hawk from author Savvy Stone. Order your copy today at SavvyStone.com. That's S-A-B-Y, SavvyStone.com. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's time for the ghost LOXD block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at DieWillie.com. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM, the Superstation, the Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Sunday, February 6, 2022, and we are live. It's African-American History Month. And we started out African-American History Month with uh, bomb threats on HBCUs and Whoopi Goldberg getting uh, suspended from The View. 
and uh, a lot of people, you know, commenting on her comments about the Holocaust. And I heard a lot of people say, oh, it was about race. It's about race. Things like this. Well, it wasn't about race. It wasn't about race. Amer- Americans really don't have a real, really a poor understanding of history. So how are you going to fault Whoopi Goldberg because she doesn't understand the nuances of Nazi Germany in 1939 and 40 and 41 and 42? And most Americans really don't. Okay. But, but one of the, one of the things that kind of gets left out of the conversation when she was on Steve Colbert's show, she said that she was thinking of racism from the perspective of racism in this country and, and white and, and, uh, white people oppressing African-Americans. So the fact that the Nuremberg, the, the Nazis got the idea of the Nuremberg laws from the way the U.S. was treating African-Americans somehow gets left out of this conversation. Okay, 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. We're going back to the phone lines in uh, just a minute here. Uh, This article here, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. This is from Time Magazine. A new report finds that 45 states are failing to teach students about the period period that shaped race relations after the Civil War. That's the period called Reconstruction, okay? 1865 to 1877, all right? Period called Reconstruction. It's a study that came out talking about this. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. All right, now, let's see here. And let me just look at this quickly here. And I got to log in. I have subscriptions to all these services, all these publications and, um, I got to find what my subscription, what my username is for Time Magazine, because I pay Time Magazine also. Uh, Just very quickly here, if we look at this, uh, January 12th, 2022, in the aftermath of the insurrection a year ago, the January 6th insurrection, 2021, at the U.S. Capitol, many leading historians drew parallels between the violence and, and the Reconstruction era, between the violence of the insurrectionists who were incited by Benedict Donald. January 6, 2021. Many parallels are being drawn between that and the violence during the Reconstruction era, the period of political revolution directly following the American Civil War. Now, the the events we saw reminded me of reminded me very much of the Reconstruction era and the overthrow of Reconstruction, which was often accompanied or accomplished. I should say by violent assaults on elected officials. Historian Eric Foner, uh, Pulitzer Prize winning historian, author of the book Reconstruction, America's Unfinished Revolution, 1863 to 1877. He said this in an interview published a week later. Now, scholars say studying the aftermath of the Civil War can help put in context context many of the most seminal events in the U.S. in recent years from the brutal murder of George Floyd by police in in, uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. We're going to talk about Minneapolis in just a minute uh, with the killing of uh, Amir Locke in Minneapolis to the voter suppression laws enacted after African-American voters played a big role in helping Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris uh, become elected to president and vice president, but also in defeating the Republicans in in the Georgia uh, U.S. Senate races as well. 
Raphael Warnock wins and John Ossoff. Okay. This infuriated a lot of white supremacists. This infuriated a lot of white supremacists. But despite the timeliness of the era in today's ERA, era in today's climate, many students in American schools will not get a full education on reconstruction until they get to college. Majority of Americans don't go to college. This deals with how the, the period of time after slavery ends, after the Civil War ends, after slavery ends, how this is not properly being taught. There's very little being taught about Reconstruction. A new report finds that 45 states are failing to teach students about the period that shaped race relations after the Civil War. Okay, so read this from time.com, Time Magazine. So if they don't know that much about Reconstruction, how much do they know about the Civil War? How much do they know about the history of slavery in this country? We know there was one piece from the New York Times that dealt with how um, about 60% of Americans knew very little or nothing about Juneteenth, okay? This, was, this came out around June 19th, 2021. All right, uh, let's go to the phone lines quickly. Let's go to uh, who we have here. Let's go to Theo, uh, uh, Theo Broughton. Uh, welcome to the African History Network show. Tell us where you're calling from, Theo. Oh, uh, Detroit. Okay. Happy Sunday to you. Happy Sunday. And um, I just want to let you know that Hood Research is very excited and happy that you have uh, talked about the uh, Nazis and the murders and all that did. You know, I, I read about um, uh, a lot of that, and there were actually 18 million people that I read about, but the Jewish community has been very consistent and thorough about telling their story. And that's why we're so happy that you're telling oh, you, you, ours. You're talking about 18 million. Mm -hmm. You're talking about 18 million in total. Because that the, the Nazis, because right. the Nazis. 18 million so, in total that were right. murdered by the Jews. I mean, by the Nazis. Right. So I talked about this and earlier in the week. Million um, is the number that we only hear about. Okay. So, that's so. They're telling their story. So mm -hmm. I, I talked about this earlier in the week. Um, you, you had uh, gypsies who were killed. You had. Right. Uh, uh, there were people from different countries, the Polish and things like this, they were killed. So the number, the number that I saw was, uh, the number that I saw was about 16 million of different groups of people that were killed by the mm -hmm. Nazis. Um, okay. All right. Right. An additional 12 million. But in the meantime, mm -hmm. I uh, met a man who had survived. Uh, he was, he was, he was Polish mm -hmm. and his sister was, actually murdered and it was it's the only person i've ever met that had had uh, suffered through that and was able to uh finally get here to the united states but um that was one of the reasons that i was uh interested in reading more about it and in our community um we need to have more of what you are providing because as we begin to learn more about our history and more that we need to be proud of, mm -hmm. because there's so much that happened that made black folks ashamed, you know, uh, that the uh, white men flying through the jungle in a diaper and uh, saving 4,000 Africans. I mean, that was just dumb. 
and uh, you, you have step and fetch it, and the the, the ones who uh, were playing roles that made them look retarded and, and just ridiculous. And it's sad because it appears to me that that's why so many of our, our people are ashamed of being black instead of being black and proud. But I really appreciate right. uh, your presentations. Hmm? Okay, absolutely. All right, thanks, Theo. Appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, now your show is on after this one, right? Okay, she's gone. Her show is on after this one. Her show is on 11 p.m. on Sundays on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF. Okay, uh, once again, read this uh, article here from The Guardian. Uh, Black people were Hitler's victims too, T-O-O. That must not be forgotten by uh, Foray Mangazi and Olivia Marks Wodeman. Thursday, January 27th, the International Day of the Remembrance of the International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Um, uh, this is from uh, theguardian.com, 2022. Uh, we're coming up here on the break. I want to show you this piece here I talked about early in the week. This is from uh, the Associated Press. World remembers Holocaust as anti-Semitism rises in pandemic, January 27, 2022. One, uh, unless they updated it from Wednesday, they don't say anything in here about the Afro-Germans who were killed, number one. But they do talk about uh, Nazi German forces killed 1.1 million people at Auschwitz because International Day Remembrance of the International Holocaust Remembrance Day is on January 27th because it was January 27th, 1945, that Soviet troops uh, liberated the uh, prisoners at the Auschwitz um, uh, death camps, the Auschwitz concentration camps in Poland, Okay. Uh, so it was 1.1 million people killed at Auschwitz, most of them uh, Jews, but also Poles, Roma, and others. Now, it, it, if you scroll down, it goes on to talk about, uh, where is that here? This page two. They deal with uh, other people who were killed as well. About 6 million. Okay, we're on page two towards the top. Um it's about six, uh, they say about 6 million European Jews and millions of other people were killed by the Nazis and their collaborators. Some 1.5 million were children. Okay. And there, there were some other numbers I saw uh, as well that dealt with the, uh, the different groups of people that were killed also. Okay. We'll continue this on the other side of the break. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, Amir Locke in uh, Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, being killed. We'll talk about Brian Flores as well, suing the uh, NFL. Okay. And we'll give you an update on the, um, we'll give you an update on the bomb threats on HBCUs as well. Listen to the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation, the future radio. We'll be back in a few minutes. Jeanette Davis is a well-established author with six published books, Black Survival in White America from Past History to the Next Century was published in 1995 and it delves into the history of African Americans before slavery up to contemporary times. The Great Divide Between Blacks and Whites was released in 2008 and her autobiography, Black Just Like My Mama, was published in 2010. Soulful Journey, The Business of Beings, was released in December 2021 and her two latest books, Echoes from the Heart, Love Throws Poetry, and Master Being Human were both published in January of 2022. 
Jeanette Davis' writings delve deeply into the psyche of black people from ancient to contemporary times. She cuts no corners and leaves no stones unturned in relating truth, letting the chips fall where they may on both African and European doorsteps. Order Jeanette Davis's books today at Amazon.com. Search for Jeanette Davis and get to know her work today. Welcome back to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation, the Future Radio. My host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Sunday, February 6, 2022, and we are live. Okay, uh, calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. All right, uh, we're going to go to... We're going to go to the clip uh, from Roland Martin Unfiltered, um, uh, Jalen, here in just a second. Uh, that is clip number, which one is that? It's dealing with the interview. So that's going to be clip number two. We're going to go to clip number two, then we'll go to clip number three. Okay, so there, uh, there are protests taking place uh, over the uh, police killing of over the police killing of um, Amir Locke. And okay, this is what I want right here. Let's go to this here. Um, NBC News has reporting on this. Uh, MS, uh, MSN Money picked this up. Protesters angered by police shooting um, of Amir Locke. So this is from Saturday, February 5th. Protesters in New York uh, shared their frustration over the police shooting of Amir Locke, the 22-year-old African-American man. Uh, who was shot and killed when police executed a no-knock warrant in which he was not named. Now, he was over at someone else's house. He was not named in the, in the warrant. It was a warrant uh, for property, to recover property, okay? Uh, that's what the warrant was for, recovering property. And we're going to uh, we'll pull that up also. We'll get some more information on that. Okay. So... I was on Roland Martin Unfiltered on Friday um, as a panelist, and we uh, Roland interviewed uh, uh, Amir's mother, uh, Karen Wells, and also their family attorney. We're going to go to it was a, a long interview, so I, I can't play all of it here. But here's an excerpt of that interview. Let's go to clip uh, two, uh, Jalen. And your family and, and all of your loved ones. Uh what I'm going to start first with um, with Jeffrey. What in the world happened? Why are we sitting here talking about this 22 year old brother being dead? What happened? Well, we just have a city that refuses to change, and it's refused to change for as long as all of us have been working on civil rights cases in Minnesota and you know, well before me. Uh, you know, repeatedly we have people die in a, same, in a very similar manner. You know, we had a man named David Smith who was killed almost identical to the way that George Floyd was murdered. And they were supposed to provide training to stop that. And they didn't. Everyone knew that no-not warrants were dangerous and increased the likelihood of death. We all saw that with Brandon Taylor. Minneapolis had a warning. It had a chance to change. It told us to change. It told us that they had policies in effect that were going to preclude no-knocks. They even advertised it as a ban on no-knocks. But we now know that that's nonsense. It's not true. And now we have this young, innocent man 
uh, and once again, a, a young innocent black man who's killed for no reason in Minneapolis because the city refuses to actually be held accountable and show the ability to change. So I'm watching the video, and why are they going to his place? What did did he have it? Why are they at his place? So it, it, it wasn't his place. He was a guest at the place he was at, and so far the details have been sparse in terms of what's been released. But Roland, what is overwhelmingly clear has been confirmed by multiple law enforcement agencies. Uh, he was nowhere, in, in no fashion, considered to be a suspect or a subject of that warrant. Okay, was, so, so, so one second. So the place that he was at, was that person a subject? Well, we all, what we're being told at this point was that the warrant was being executed at the proper location, and there was no warrant to see the person, Roland. That's what's even more outrageous about this. This was a no-knock warrant to seize property uh, and put life at danger to obtain property. Wait, 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 wait. okay. So, and, and, and y'all have seen the warrant. Uh, I, I, I'm aware of the contents of the warrant. Okay. So I, I'm just trying to w walk through the facts here. I read one report that when they came in, Amir said that he had a gun. Is that true, yes or no? Is it true when they came in that Amir physically possessed a gun at some point? He, he was startled from right. sleep in a matter of seconds touched his gun, never put his finger anywhere near the trigger. We've seen no videos that he ever pointed it at any officer or post a record. It was a young man who had no idea what was going on and was given only a matter of seconds and no opportunity to save his own life. Now, is it also true that he had a permit for that gun? Yes. Yes. So uh, he obtained a permit previously in the, in the state of Texas, where he lives, and it, uh, uh, he was possessing that gun lawfully in the location he was at in the private residence. So, Karen, I, your son is sleeping on a couch, blanket over his head. He's sleeping. Yeah. He has a permit. He has a permit for a gun. Door opens. Folks bust in yelling. The natural reaction, look, I, I've, I've never owned a gun. But I would think that the natural, I don't own a gun, but if, if somebody busts into my house, probably my first reaction is to grab something to protect myself. From the folks who are busting in, and if I'm asleep, I'm damn sure not hearing you yell, uh, police, police, whatever, whatever they yelled. Um, I mean, th th this has to be just for you shocking and devastating that it happened again in Minneapolis. Yes, I'm, I'm actually disbelieved um, because I would have never imagined that normally I'm you know, watching what's going on with it's involving other people, other families, but I would have never imagined that I would be sitting here discussing um, my son being murdered and killed. So. Um, 
back to I'm gonna come back to the, the elements of this case, but for the purpose of our audience, just share with them humanize your son. Who was he? What did he do? Was he in college? Was what was he studying? Where was he working? Just share with so people have an understanding that he's not just a hashtag, that he's a human being and naturally and people what, what folks should know about him. Actually if Aaron was wanting to become an entrepreneur. Um, he worked, he did like DoorDash and he did like Instacart. And um, he also, I helped him um, get his um, LLC um, to start a business. Um, he was really into uh, doing something for the youth. Um, as far as like the clothing brand line that would cater to the youth. Um, he wanted to get into buying property, real estate. Um, he was really all about generational wealth. Um, that was one of his goals that he wanted to do um, as far as, you know, with his family. Um, Amir was kind-spirited. He could make you laugh. Um, he was liked by and loved by practically everybody that came in contact with him. He was very respectful, well-mannered. He respected um, his elders um, because that's how we raised him and his older brother. He, whenever we would FaceTime, get off the phone, he would always tell me that he loved me and I would tell him I loved him. The last time I spoke to my mom was this past Friday. And he, he was just trying to, you know, do what he was supposed to do. Um, are you, where, do you, do you live in Minneapolis? Do you live elsewhere? Where y'all from? Actually, they, he was born and raised in uh, Minnesota. I lived there for over 25 years, and I relocated two years ago to Dallas, Texas, and Amir came with me. Um, so... You know, during that time, Amir actually went back, um, but he was actually, you know, getting ready to come back. Um, because, and then just different moves that we're talking about doing as far as me going to another location. So, so you, okay. so you still live in Dallas? Uh, and I'm in, go ahead. I'm in Dallas, currently. Right, you yeah. still live in Dallas, and so he was in, he was, he was in Minneapolis visiting friends or there for work. He had family there, but he was also doing like the Instacart, um, doing that type of work. And he also did that work in uh, Dallas. Gotcha. Um, folks, the, the police chief and the mayor uh, held a news conference. And um, uh, Nakima Levy Armstrong. Hey, hey pause uh, it right there, Jalen. I'm familiar with her. Pause right there. On the show numerous- okay. Uh, watch the. Uh, that's the February 4th uh, edition of Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, watch that on YouTube, Roland Martin on YouTube and Roland Martin on Facebook. I'm going to post a link here on the thread of the broadcast for the, uh, we'll post a link here. This is the, uh, to the entire uh, show because uh, we ended up doing almost three hours on Roland Martin Unfiltered Friday. Uh, when we come back, Jalen, we'll go to clip three. Well, actually, uh when we go, I just sent you this clip from NBC News dealing with the body cam footage being released. We'll go, we'll, we'll go to that when we come back from the break. And then we'll go, we'll go to clip three from Roland Martin Unfiltered because that's a, a segment that I'm in. He goes to his panel. Read this article here from 
NBC News, Minneapolis police release body camera footage of fatal shooting of black man, Amir Locke. You can at least put his name in the title, NBC News, 22 years old uh, during no knock warrant. Okay, so Minneapolis police have released body camera footage showing the fatal shooting of Amir Locke, uh, a case that has raised tensions in the city and renewed scrutiny upon local law enforcement. Amir Locke was fatally shot by a SWAT team, uh, a SWAT team officer with the Minneapolis Police Department as they arrived uh, to carry out a warrant at 6.40 a.m. Wednesday morning. Uh, so Wednesday was uh, February 2nd in the 1100th, 1100th block of Marquette Avenue South. The warrant was related to a homicide investigation out of St. Paul, Minnesota, according to, according to police. Um, Amir was not the target of the, uh, he was not the target of the search warrant. Uh, we'll deal with this on the other side of the break. I'm Michael M. Hotep, the African History Network show. We'll be back in a few minutes. The work that I do is larger than the fashion industry. It's larger than the art world. And I believe that I was born to bring newness into this world. I'm Kaima McIntyre. I'm 24 years old and I'm an artist. I create everything from paintings to jewelry design, metaphysical jewelry to be specific, and fashion design. The only reason why my prom dress went viral is because people needed it. Within a few days of going viral, Notori Naughton reached out to me. and She's like, I saw your dress, can you make me a dress? I was equally as shocked to be asked by a celebrity to design their dress at the age of 17. That's just one person and the list just continues to go on to Janet Jackson, to Tyra Banks. It really hits home. That means that the discussion is happening on the grounds in real time. Mental health and well-being have long been a taboo subject in the so-called African-American community. So I enlisted the help of mental health experts, thought leaders, and activists to help kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and heal from post-traumatic slave syndrome. We experience trauma a lot of times um, on a subconscious level. So sometimes something happens to us and we know that it's traumatizing, but we don't really recognize the extent of the trauma. They are emotionally constipated and emotionally obese because again, all the things that we experienced in childhood, we suffocated and we stored in our body. It's a time to kill and it's a time to heal. We've been haunted by the ghost of Willie Lynch and his doctrine of self-refueling trauma for too long. It's time for Willie to die. Die, Willie. It's the Speed the Ghost, L-O-X-D block. It's time to kill the ghost of Willie Lynch and get out the matrix. Check out my man Ron Life Speaks at diewillie.com. Future Radio. All right. Um, I want to go to, right before the break, we were talking about this story out of Minneapolis. Um, the the killing of Amir Locke, okay? We're going to get back to that in just a second. I want you to hear this clip from uh, NBC News giving background information on that. Before we uh, go to that, I just want to remind you, um, this is African American History Month, Black History Month, and we have uh, two new classes that started up uh, this weekend at our website. Uh, we have the information at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. These are 10 week online courses uh, that I teach dealing with uh, African history and African-American history on Sundays. 
It is ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Uh, this, we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have book references, articles, video clips, guest speakers, everything. We do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime, okay? If you've taken any of uh, my online classes with me before, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. We're going to give you a 50% discount off on, on the bundle pack. The bundle pack includes a bundle pack of courses. It includes uh, two uh, new classes that just started up. Uh, this one, as well as from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We do this one on Sundays, uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So as soon as you register, you can watch this class. There's also bonus courses. Uh, there's also bonus uh, uh, content. And then uh, with understanding the transatlantic slave trade, you're going to get uh, in digital uh, in, in digital format. You're going to get 15 of my lectures. They're the 15 lectures that are in the uh, Michael M. Hotel Black History Month uh, bundle pack. Okay, you can order the bundle pack in e format at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. It's on sale, one hundred dollars, but you'll get it in digital format. You're gonna get it free when you register for um, understand the transatlantic slave trade, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Maafa. Um, and that, that information is at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Once again, if you've taken any of these classes with me before, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. We're going to give you 50% off discount. And if you want me to do a presentation for your group or organization, especially for Black History Month, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com. All right. Uh, I want to go back to this story out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Let's go to uh, this clip from uh, NBC News, uh, Jalen. Early Wednesday morning, MPD SWAT team prepared to enter the Bolero Flats apartments downtown on a high-risk warrant entry to help St. Paul police with a homicide investigation. Interim Chief Amelia Huffman says officers had obtained both a no-knock and knock warrant, but instead of breaking down the door, they decided to use a key. Officers announced they had a warrant. Within seconds, the video appears to show 22-year-old Amir Locke on a couch under a blanket with a gun. Interim Chief Huffman assessed that Officer Mark Hanneman was, quote, just outside the frame in the direction that that barrel is emerging. This is the moment when police say Hanneman fired at least three shots, killing Locke. Things happen so quickly. Mylon Masson is the retired training director for Minnesota's law enforcement program. How are SWAT teams trained to enter in those situations? Well, there's been some changes over the year that they never used to have to announce themselves. Announcing the police over and over again, uh, that's very, very helpful. It's not clear if Locke was awake when SWAT entered. According to MPD, he was not named in the search warrant, and police haven't said whether he's connected to the St. Paul homicide investigation. How do police train for situations where they know there may be people that aren't involved in that residence? That's why they send so many people in, is so that they can keep track of everybody. They want to split it up so that I take the person on the couch, this person takes the one in the kitchen. But it's also not clear yet who or what the police were searching for. So we just have to wait and see. We have to wait for all of the evidence to come in, the totality of the of the evidence. Okay, so that's from uh, NBC News. Check that, check out this uh, article here. Uh, Minneapolis police released body camera footage of fatal shooting of black man, 22 
during No Not Warrant. This is from uh, February 4th, uh, Friday, February 4th. And that video is in this article. Okay, let, let's go to uh, clip three. Now, this is uh, from Roland Martin Unfiltered as well. And uh, Roland and I are discussing uh, this shooting. Let's go to this clip, Jalen. This is what the NRA posted nine hours ago. Let Dear Joe Biden, let criminals walk. Same criminals commit more crimes. Come on, man. A team charged with shooting an NYPD cop. <laughs> then they had, oh, then they had to retweet from the NRA women. Mm -hmm. A tweet honoring Ida B. Wells Barnett. Oh, but let me help y'all out. The NRA says she was an educator, journalist, and civil rights crusader. She was also an advocate of the use of firearms for self-defense. She was an advocate for our firearms of self-defense because black folks were getting lynched. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't see a damn thing from the NRA. Go back. Nothing. Nothing. Saying, doggone shame, what happened to a law-abiding Second Amendment rights carrier. Nothing. I see nothing about a mere lock. And they, and they probably won't say anything about a mere lock. This is one of the bullet points, one of the questions I have here on my notes. Where are the Second Amendment people? Where's the NRA? Look how long it took the NRA to put out a statement when it came to uh, Philando Castile, who had a concealed pistol license, who was legally carrying. And when you study the uh, concealed pistol license laws in the state of uh, Minnesota, where he was killed, he went above and beyond because based upon the state of Minnesota, if you have a, a, a CPL and you have your gun on you, you're not obligated to tell the police that you have your gun on you. He went above and beyond and, uh, above and, beyond and told Officer Yanez he had his, his piece on him. His, all right, those watching on Facebook and YouTube, uh, keep watching. I'm going to finish that clip because that's me talking. They cut me off on my show. Uh, <laughs> we're out of time. Uh, visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for the online classes that I teach. Also, if you like this type of information, you support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. This is our official Cash App account. When you go to it, it says Michael, shows my picture there. Dollar sign the AHN show, S H O W. And we're here Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m., uh, the African History Network show. Uh, follows uh, those watching on Facebook and YouTube. Keep watching. I'm going to keep going for a few more minutes and be sure to uh, sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, the 22828, the sign up for our email newsletter. Remember, right now it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Okay. Share this broadcasting and social media platforms here. Give us a thumbs up if you like this, a thumbs up or a heart if you like this, uh, if you like this show. All right, let's go back to this clip from Roland Martin Unfiltered. Nothing saying, doggone shame, what happened to a law-abiding Second Amendment rights carrier. Nothing. I see nothing about a mere lock. 
and they and they probably won't say anything about a mirror lock. This is one of the bullet points, one of the questions I have here on my notes. Where are the Second Amendment people? Where's the NRA? Look how long it took the NRA to put out a statement when it came to uh, Philando Castile, who had a concealed pistol license, who was legally carrying. And when you study the uh, concealed pistol license laws in the state of uh, Minnesota, where he was killed, he went above and beyond because based upon the state of Minnesota, if you have a, a, a CPL and you have your gun on you, you're not obligated to tell the police that you have your gun on you. He went above and beyond and, uh, above and beyond and told Officer Yanis he had his, off, his piece on him, his uh, pistol on him. So, uh, you know, I, I looked at this as well. I looked at the reporting from uh, NBC News and looked at the uh, footage. This looks like an execution, number one. Number two, then this calls into question, Roland. Okay, so uh, one of the first things I noticed is that they use the key to enter into the apartment, okay? And when you and and the um, reporting said that the officers chose to use a key. So I, I, I just, I'm just wondering, okay, so why did they choose to use a key to enter, number one? Number two, um, it's clear that Amir was under a blanket, probably asleep. He has a gun. Now, how are officers supposed to execute search warrants when they enter somebody's home and you have people who are legally owning guns because they don't know what's going on? You you break in and the first thing somebody is going to do is grab that gun. OK, so uh, and, and the other thing is, is that um, what, it's not clear that. Amir was ordered to drop the gun. Now, you heard one officer say, show me your hands. But it's not clear he was ordered to drop the gun, which, once again, is really problematic in the fault of the police as well. So this is this is a deep case. But I wonder when are the Second Amendment people and the NRA going to uh, stop voicing their opinions? And then when you ask where the, where the white people who were protesting for George Floyd, uh, we can ask where the white women who are out there protesting for George Floyd, because you, you should be talking about the Voting Rights Bill, the Voting Rights Act, because that impacts you and your women's reproductive rights also. Kelly, again, th- this is the fundamental problem with these no-knock warrants. The person on the other side of the door is minding their business. This is why you have got to be, if you're going to have this, you've got to be 100 percent sure and confident that you got the right address and the right person but here's the problem even with that he's visiting if if you if I had you Matt and Michael over to my home for dinner and we playing cards and I live in Virginia and Texas, both of them write the carry states. And if we sitting here playing cards and the cops bust in looking for me, you carrying a gun, you startled, you like, hell, I don't know who busting through, you gonna go for your gun. Then the cops kill you. Oh, well, I, sorry. She just happened to be there. Are we executing? This is the type of wrong policing that go, that goes on. And then when people go, man, why y'all protesting? Exhibit 
1,468. So this doesn't even look like policing to me at all. This looks like a modern day state sponsored lynching to me because it makes absolutely no sense that a split second decision should result in someone's death. I really don't feel like killing someone should be a split second decision when you have that much power that is state sanctioned. Um, when you're talking about no knock warrants, I personally believe they should be unconstitutional because again, these are police officers entering your domain um, with or without your permission. Um, in this case, clearly without permission. On top of that, again, like you said, this wasn't even his home, he's visiting. So the fact that they did this while he was sleeping, it just feels like he was killed because he was sleeping and he reacted as a result of him waking up. And I'm frankly just tired of, of black skin being perceived as a threat. And you would think that this state, of all the states in the past two years, that Minnesota would know better, given George Floyd, given the other uh, deaths that have happened in that state. And just for stats sake, nationwide in 2021, just last year, you know, 30 plus days ago, 15 days, that's how many days that police officers did not kill someone in the line of duty. Okay, so uh, watch the rest of that. I was Kelly Bathia, she's an attorney, I was on, panel with Kelly and Matt, uh, Matt Manning, uh, I think it's Matt Manning. Matt is a, an attorney also. Okay. That was from, from Roland Martin unfiltered Friday, February 4th, 2021. All right. Um, so Roland mentioned the NRA's, uh, website. He was on their Twitter page. Okay. So I'm on the NRA national rifle association. I'm on their Twitter page right now. And they got stuff on here about Joe Biden this is from February 3rd. Just once again, Joe just once again proved he's not serious about fixing his crime crisis. Okay. Um, okay. So that's not true. But anyway, so then this, here's the tweet um, about Ida B. Wells. Now, Ida B. Wells was an advocate of firearms to protect us from crazy ass white people who were lynching African-Americans. And she wrote about this in the newspaper she was the publisher of. She wrote about this after the Moss store uh, killings of 1892 in Memphis, Tennessee, when uh, Tom Moss and his, his two friends were lynched by a mob of white people. And she, and she told them that, you know, a, a Winchester has a coveted place in every Negro home. And she was urging uh, African-Americans to arm themselves to protect us from crazy white people. In honor of black soul, they re they retweeted this tweet from NRA women. In honor, this is how stupid these people are. In honor of Black History Month, learn more about Ida B. Wells, an educator, journalist, and civil rights crusader. She was also an advocate of the use of firearms for self-defense. Yes, she was. Absolutely. And it and and, and it was crazy white people that ran her out of out of uh, Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, so then they have 
this is the tweet that uh, Roland was talking about. Uh, Dear Joe Biden, let let criminals walk. Same criminals commit more crimes. Okay, teen charged with shooting NYPD cop in custody for police uh, violating police probation. Now, how many posts do they have about the white people who shoot uh, police officers and kill police officers? Because the majority of police officers each year, the majority of police officers kill by white people, not African-Americans. So how many posts do they have about the white men who kill police officers? I'm just curious. So then they had this post, Fox News, Biden, Biden's gun first approach to violent crime, ignores basic facts, all this nonsense. Okay, nothing on here about Amir Locke, who's law-abiding citizen, legally owns, permit to carry, shot and killed by police. Whole thing, it, it took something like nine seconds or something. Nothing on here about Amir Locke. February 5th, nothing on here about a mere lot. This is Joe Biden's crime crisis. This is not a Second Amendment crisis. Okay, 10 million Americans legally bought their first gun over the past two years. Why? Because of democratic policies like defund the police. That's not why. This is dumbass representative uh, Stefanik out of New York. That's not why. Then they just posted this one. Joe knows nothing about about guns. He's never taken our guns. These, these are some crazy-ass people. Nothing on here about Amir Locke. National Rifle Association. Now, just so you want to... First of all, Joe Biden has never advocated for defund the police, first of all. Just, just, just so we understand that. And I talked about this during the presidential campaign. He was for adequately funding police departments and adequately funding the social programs as well. Joe Biden never advocated defund the police. That's just some nonsense. The NRA is running because it's a bunch of ignorant ass people that follow the NRA and they'll fall for stuff like that. Um, There was an article, let me pull this up from uh, Firefox. There was an article from NBC News this weekend. And this deals with uh, defund the, this deals with the whole defund the police, which I told you from the beginning was a terrible slogan. Um, and mental health needs to be, but all the, all the programs have their merit and they all need to be funded. All that stuff needs to be funded. It can't be an either or. But there's an article here from um, NBC News. And let me see if I find this here. This deals with um, how Democrats went from defund the police to refund the police. Now, all Democrats weren't advocating for defund the police. Okay, just so everybody understands. All the, there's a lot of them that weren't advocating for that. There's more progressives that were advocating for that, but, but all of them weren't advocating for that. Not at all. 
read this article here now nra may not post this one how democrats went from defund to refund the police as crime rates rise ahead ahead of the midterms black mayors of the nation's largest cities are leading the call to crack down business now this, this doesn't mean that oh we don't want other programs, job training programs, around services. We don't want programs funded that will help prevent crime. That doesn't mean that. But if something happens, if somebody breaks into your house or somebody robs you or carjacks you, you call the police, you want somebody to respond. A young Democratic member of Congress declared defund the police movement dead on Thursday and black democratic mayors from san francisco to new york chicago to washington dc are moving to increase police budgets and end the reign of criminals because a lot of police departments are understaffed they, they have a shortage of police you've had uh matriculation you have some that just uh you know going to retire scheduled to retire things like this so yes yeah, some police departments that are that are understaffed and they have to hire more police as violent crime surges ahead of the November midterms, President Joe Biden and the Democratic Party are toughening their talk on crime and refunding the police only two years after some progressive activists took up the call to defund to defund them. OK. All the Democrats weren't advocating defund the police. And, and, and I don't even remember the platform. Now, police reform. Yeah. Needs to be police reform, criminal justice reform, all that stuff. But even as a platform, defund the police wasn't even a platform for uh, the Democratic Party. Police reform, yes. But defunding the police, no. People are still against crime and people want to be safe, said former Philadelphia Mayor Michael Nutter in an interview. You're seeing in communities all across the country that when folks actually come to grips, came to grips, with the conflict of rising crime rates and an effort to quote unquote take away from policing, the public being way ahead of the politicians as usual figured out, no, 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 that's not a good idea. We want to be safe. Uh, we know Joe Biden traveled to New York City Thursday to meet with the city's new elected uh, Democratic Mayor Eric Adams, a former police officer who has vowed to clean up the streets. Adams' victory in the crowded Democratic primary last year was seen by many in the party as a sign that voters were done with anti-police rhetoric. Voters were done with anti-police rhetoric. Two years after Democratic officials across the country aligned themselves with protesters demanding the police be reined in, and progressives back the elections of reformist prosecutors, the mayors of many of the nation's largest cities are now reversing course and leading calls for a tougher stance on crime. Uh, former Mayor Michael Nutter is black. He has been on something of a crusade against Philadelphia's reformist district attorney, Larry Krasner, who was white after the top prosecutor said at a December news conference that, quote, we don't have a crisis of lawlessness lawlessness we don't have a crisis of crime we don't have a crisis of violence end quote 
Now, there, there's a there's a balance that has to be met with all this. Yes, you need criminal justice reform. Yes, you need police reform. Yes, some police officers need to be fired. They don't need to be police. I've said before, many of us who want to do the right thing, many of us need to become the type of police officers we say that we want to see. Because if we don't become the police officers and become the police officers in our own communities, who are going to be the police officers then? Where are they going to get them from? The, the white suburbs? Where are they going to come from? In the Philadelphia Inquirer op-ed, Michael Nutter wrote that, quote, it takes a certain audacity of ignorance and white privilege to say that right now, noting that people of color living in struggling parts of the city were often the ones most victimized by crime. Now, that doesn't mean we want police brutality. We want police to do their job. We don't want police brutality and we don't want crime either. We have to disabuse people of this flawed premise that black and brown people are against the police. Black and brown people are against police abuse. Uh, former Mayor Michael Nutter said, as Democrats, we have to do two complicated things at the same time. We have to do two complicated things at the same time. We have to ensure public safety and reform the abuses of the criminal justice system. Now, that's reality. You ain't going to hashtag your way to the Z. That's reality. You're going to have to deal with the crime and deal with uh, getting rid of uh, rogue police officers like Jason, Jason Van Dyke, who just got released from prison after he killed uh, Laquan McDonald. You, you're going to have to do both. You're going to have to do both. Okay, so read that article here from, uh, read the rest of that from NBC News, okay? Um, these other stories, we talked about Brian Flores earlier in the week. Uh, this was a story, we'll, we'll give an update on that uh, tomorrow because we're, we're way over time here. Uh, this is a story we talked about from the... Um, This was one from the uh, New York Times that we talked about early in the week. Uh, Brian Flores sues uh, the NFL. Let me see here. Where is that? Right here. Brian Flores sues the NFL claiming bias in coaching search. Okay. So we talked about this early in the week. We'll give an update on this because uh, he was interviewed on Politics Nation by Reverend Al Sharpton on Saturday. And there have been some statements that have come out from Roger Goodell, the commissioner, et cetera. So um, we'll give an update on that uh, on Monday. show. we're here Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. the night, Eastern Standard Time, and Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, the African History Network show. Okay. Be sure to... Uh, register for the um, online uh, history classes I teach on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. And then uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. So these are 10-week online history classes uh, I teach, and we're kicking these off for African American History Month, Black History Month. Uh, we do the sessions live. All the sessions are archived and recorded. You can go back and watch them anytime. 
even a year from now, if you want to go back and watch them, you can do that. Uh, we'll post a link here. It's right on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register for both classes uh, at a discount, $120 for both classes. They're regularly $130 each. If you've taken classes with me before, email me at ahnshow at africanhistorynetwork.com for a 50% discount also. As soon as you register, you can start watching the content, and there's bonus content and bonus lectures as well. All right. Uh, and we'll post a link here. Uh, again, you can watch from around the world also. Okay, remember at the African History, uh, uh, also you can advertise with the African History Network, African-American business owners, post the name of your business here on the thread of the broadcast. Email us at show at africanhistorynetwork.com. We'll let you know how you can advertise with the African History Network. Current promotion, buy one month, get two months free. Buy one month, get two months free. We have three new advertising packages to help you market your business. Remember at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct your own behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace.